everybody welcome to the improv network podcast this is a series of conversations aimed at building stronger connections throughout the improv community i'm james quesada and i'm bob wick and we are your education team for the improv network you can go to the improvnetwork.org and check out all sorts of great resources interviews blogs and uh, an improv faq page with videos like conversations and mini lectures on improv topics uh, we're very excited to have our guest today, uh, who is a performer and teacher based out of the San Diego area, and he is also a play consultant and the founder of Breakthrough Play. It is Gary Ware. Gary, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, such an amazing <laughs> welcome. You guys are all amazing. Thank you. Oh yeah, yeah. Our children audience <laughs> love you. It didn't even register me with it. It was all kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yay. Yay. I was just impressed by the by the push of a button reveal that, that you have uh uh a an effect set up in front of you. But uh <laughs> yeah, please keep the, the kid cheers. Going. When you're a performer and you're forced to stay at home for like 15 months, you 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 get very resourceful. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna. I want to. I want to launch into to the the, uh, the breakthrough play. But let me ask you first, because obviously, you know, you jump on a stream, and I'm sure a lot of the time the reaction was is what I said, which is like, oh sh shit, you got a great setup, like great camera, just great like uh you know composition of the setup and the background and everything. Um, is that something? That you were doing before pandemic, or is that something that you did just uh, entirely start doing to, to How adapt? How new is your mic? <laughs> How new is that um, mic, so man? <laughs> the mic I've had for years, Be uh, but all of this is piece by piece over the last like year, year and some months because. Again, I'm used to just being in person and I had the mic just because, you know, every now and then I'll record a podcast episode. It was nothing necessarily video related. So I, you know, I always have a good mic, you know, that was like the thing. But then when everything shut down and I was forced to like do things virtually, uh, when I first started, I was in a corner, like literally a corner with like my uh, laptop camera. And I was like, this is not going to work. And then like slowly... I added something and then slowly added something else. And I would consult with people and then like, oh, you need this. And and then the Amazon boxes will start to pile up. <laughs> yeah. um, and and so I like to apologize in advance. Uh, I'm probably the reason why Bezos is building that yacht, uh, that second <laughs> yacht, because I just started buying things just to make my, my setup a little oh, bit more. Oh, the Gary? Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing, and and like uh, like it's so funny to see the arc too, because like obviously uh, virtual stuff have been getting um, more and more professional um, mm -hmm. since, since like whatever like two thousand eight or two thousand ten or something, um, 
And uh, the standard all of a sudden like kept going higher and higher. And then as soon as the pandemic hit, like the standard went down where, where people are like more willing to watch stuff that's like lo-fi or like low grade, whatever. Um, they're doing their best. It's virtual. Everyone's adapting. And, th and then you see it start to like rapidly ramp back up to like where yeah, now yeah. the news. Yeah, we're starting to figure it out. And the new standard is back. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And you know how like at the beginning of the pandemic uh, in the real world, toilet paper and bottled water disappeared. In the virtual world, world, uh, uh, cameras disappeared. Like yeah. you couldn't find uh, like a green screen or a, a ring a light, light. Like, like utility stands. Yeah, like little utility is, stands. Yep. They were going on eBay for like hundreds of dollars. So like, yeah, I, I'm glad that I had a little bit of of tech going into it. And then, yeah, you're right. Like everyone just accepted like the crappy qualities. Like, hey, we're doing the best we can. We're in yeah. a pandemic. And then. Like, to be honest, like what we see, like what I have here didn't really come about until like uh, probably July, August. So, you know, pandemic started in March and then, you know, we got through like the rough period and then it was like, we're still going to be here. Oh, yeah, crap. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Double down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, I, I could I could nerd out about that stuff for, for, for days, but uh, <laughs> let's let's get to um, breakthrough Ooh, play here. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, so you are founder of um, uh, Breakthrough Play, which um, how to categorize it? It's it's a it's a website. Is it a company? It's an organization, um, a service. It's all those things. Philosophy. Or, um, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a way of living. You know, this yeah. is the way. Uh, but uh, it started. <laughs> it started as a website. Uh, to be honest. Uh, where I was categorizing and and journaling like my experience uh, in improv and play, and um, it was just more of a personal thing. And then I started sharing my philosophy with with friends and uh, colleagues. Um, it was never meant to be honest. It was never meant to be a company. Uh, but uh, out of desperation, uh, when I was running this digital marketing agency and my business partner essentially out of nowhere broke up with me and was like, hey, I think we need to go our separate ways. Uh, and I was wow. at this crossroads of like, do I get a real job again or do something else? Um, I decided, hey, I, I think I have something here with this facilitation stuff. And then I decided to to give it a shot. And here we are. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about like uh, at this point, as it has evolved to this uh, point, like it, it is a consulting service and uh, a facilitation service. And so yes. companies are, are hiring you to um, come and incorporate uh, the improv and just play in general um, into their uh, workspace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I tell people, um, you know, using the power of applied improvisation and what I call purposeful play, mm -hmm. um, you know, we can tackle challenging uh, subjects and we can um, sort of level up uh, those soft skills, if you will, that everyone needs to be successful. Mm -hmm. And compared to most trainers who come in and talk at you and say, this is how you have effective right. communication or blah, blah, blah. We actually do things so people can experience it in a low stakes environment. And then as a result, they're more likely to, when the stakes are higher, to be able to exhibit those, um, those skills. Yeah. If you're laughing, you're learning. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, if you're laughing, you're learning. Laughter is life's educational sponge. Um, yeah, it is. It is. Because, it is. Because uh, there's an emotional attachment to that information that's joyous. You're like a uh, positive reinforcement. 
So yeah, it's really, you, you take it in better uh, yeah. rather than like going through a flip chart and just like, here you go, you're bored and just expected to retain this thing. Uh, well, you yeah. do enough for the test, right? You remember when we were in school and we would cram and cram and cram, like fill our brains with knowledge so we could take the test. Yeah. You know, uh, if, if schools are really smart, they would give you a second test two weeks later to see who really knows the information. Yeah, uh, remember, yeah. <laughs> because the fact of the matter is, like, yeah. if you don't do anything with it within 14 days, it will be as if you didn't learn it. That's, like, yeah. true fact. If, if anyone's ever seen Inside Out, that Pixar movie, they, in a very simplistic way, explain something very complex of how the brain works. And the brain, you know, has, like, long-term memory, short-term memory, and, um, you know, the way that, you know, we see, you know, is that we cram and we keep it in short-term memory, but it doesn't go to long-term memory. The thing about play, uh, the thing about uh, experiential um, activities is that because we are using all of our senses, because we are getting excited, we're going through what is called a peak emotional experience, we're more likely to be able to uh, retain it and recall it later. Yeah. Um, and and so... so Obviously, in the last, uh, I, don't, I guess I don't know how long it's been since, like, the idea of applied improv was really um, more sensational and, and like, sought after uh, by companies. Um, but, like, like five-ish years or something, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, what, what it reminds me of uh, when I hear people who um, whose like main job is that or, or who do a lot of the applied improv with companies, it, it just really reminds me of uh, what I've read about uh, Viola Spolin, who's, like, the godmother of... Uh, improv um and uh you know she was doing it as like social service work for like uh youth uh to that th that it was having a harder time like learning in, in um regular school programs but <clears throat> that was like kind of its original purpose or like modern improv originally purposed that way as like an education tool and and a way to infuse um skill development and and social growth and everything um and then it became like more and more entertainment for its own sake but like it just seems like now okay well of course it, it would eventually come back to um being a really viable way to get people to reinvigorate um a learning space uh, a, a workspace and any kind of like a professional development like that those things um it seems like more obvious than it than it uh maybe would have been like 20 years ago when like you know long form was really taken off that uh most people weren't really jazzed about like you can also use this for corporate <laughs> like but now it seems like a little bit more obvious that like of course that's kind of where it started and, and of course that would eventually be where it ends up right agreed yeah and and it's one of those things where and it's i wish it would just be that easy to be like hey we need to have this and people are like oh yeah uh because to be quite frank i actually have to like sort of reverse it where at first i thought like yeah applied improv this is exactly what your team needs but you're like um no we don't got time for that uh that seems like you know sort of childish and and what you want us to spend thousand dollars on on what um and then and so however they need they need skill building they need all these things right. and so um i've learned to like be very like sort of ninja like where i come in and i'll say uh, you know do like you know what uh, every good consultant would do and say you know do uh an assessment and say all right you know what are your challenges blah blah, blah. and then they say yeah we need some training on x y and z lately 
you know, because of the pandemic, a lot of people are trying to help their teams with burnout and exhaustion Mm. and stuff like that. And so, um, and I was like, all right, great. Well, we have a few options. You know, I can come and, you know, sort of lecture at your team and that's, you know, that'd be great. You can have a check mark and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that investment that you put into your team, you know, is going to be wasted because they're not going to retain it. They may know it long enough, but that's what companies are used to, right? They're like, oh, bring a trainer in X, Y, and Z. And I say, well, the option two is we can do some experiential activities that will allow (laughs) your team to experience it firsthand so that they're actually practicing it. Right. Yeah. So that when when it comes, you know, push comes to shove, they are more likely to do it. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. And then we're doing it. And, I, and then I'm like, <laughs> guess what? We're doing improv. We're playing. And then they're like, ah, yeah. you got me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yep. yeah. Don't call it improv. Don't call it improv. Don't call it improv. It's improv. improv. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like the Scooby-Doo thing. <laughs> like, yeah. Rip off the mask. Uh, <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's so that's interesting. Like, like, so. Is that, um, is that the majority of places, or just, or just some places you really have to like uh, code the language uh, to to kind of Trojan horse your way in? Unfortunately, uh, it is. It, it is a, a majority of uh, companies where, uh, for some reason, you know, the P word, the I word, uh, the A word, you know, it, it's 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 taboo. They they don't like to hear about play or improv or applied improv, um, but. The interesting thing is once they've experienced it and they know what it is, then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. we should have had this a long time ago. Well, you didn't. You know, and then, you know, it just wasn't seen as something that was effective for whatever reason. Um, there are some companies that, you know, that are a little bit more progressive and they're open to that. Uh, but a good majority of them, unfortunately, still are like, I don't know, a, a little bit old fashioned. They remind me of Blockbuster Video. You remember that Blockbuster? Oh, of course. I just watched uh, the, the last Blockbuster. Have you seen that documentary? Yeah. Oh, oh it's so good. Too. So good. Uh, anyways, back on subject. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Bob. Uh, so you walk into the room. It's a full of new people. Where do we get started? How can, do we just start with zip zap zap or? Or is it what technique do you get? Do you especially now like uh, after? You know, everything's been closed down and with all the extra rules, how do we facilitate? Yeah, you walk into a room where? Yeah, yeah. how do you do that? Yeah, some places are, I guess, uh, you know, reopen, yeah. but go ahead. Believe it or not, I did my first in-person workshop um, this week, this last week. Uh, and oh. it was it was funny because I'm so used to now virtual yeah. when, and this was going to be a virtual thing. And then they realized that Monday was a holiday and that, so... Um, how I've been with a lot of uh, companies as a way to um, sort of help them and, you know, sort of provide value, I would commandeer meetings that they already had. So they would have these standing meetings and I would come in <laughs> and instead of doing their normal sort of meeting stuff, we right. would do activities. And so uh, that's how it was originally scheduled. I was going to come into this meeting and do some stuff. And then they realized, oh, Tuesday yeah. is the first day back from a long holiday. We actually need that meeting to do other stuff and then they said do you want we have a community lunch um at noon do you want to do that again not thinking that it was going to be in person i was like oh yeah yeah that makes sense i'm so glad that i went back and read the email because they said we'll get your lunch and we're meeting here and i was like oh this is in person but anywho uh it it went great and and you're absolutely right like 
this was outside. It was at the park. Um, and my main thing of how I structure my um, sort of activities, especially with groups that I haven't necessarily worked with before, right. is you have to ease them into it. And then you get to like some of the hard stuff. So, yeah, that's why, you know, something like Zip Zap Zop um, is a great thing to start with because they're like, oh, wow. We're actually sort of getting in sync. Oh, we made yeah. some mistakes. Yay. Like, it's great. And then, you know, they, they're starting to loosen up. And um, I like to say they're getting that dose, which is an acronym for dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. Those neurochemicals that actually are useful in, in team development and ensemble development. Mm -hmm. um, but for this one, um, I uh, we started with pass the clap. And I made a joke uh, about, like, you know, pandemic and not trying to get close to each other it was it was really really you know really fun and you know cheesy but um the whole point of doing these is just to ease them into the material okay. so that when yeah. we do some of the more uh complicated things they've gotten used to failing they've gotten used to uh trying something different if i would have started with some of the advanced stuff it probably would have just everyone would have been like uh can't compute too much. Yeah, what does yeah. your character want right now? <laughs> right? Let's get into, yes. What is the game? <laughs> All right, people. What is the game here? How can we hide this? Yeah. So, you know, one thing that I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm conscious of because um, I, we, we've talked on the show about um, uh, improv, just the, the way that, that it, uh, carries over to the general lifestyle and also like um, the observation that like in the pandemic um, where you would think that uh, improv would very quickly become like deprioritized for a lot of people. And, and I'm sure for a lot of people it, it, it was, but what I was surprised by is just seeing uh, how many people um, beyond that uh, really reconnected with the, like the, how essential it is for them, you know, whether, whether it's performing or just like seeing people and jamming as a social thing, um, or, or just like spiritually, like they, it's in, in a time of crisis that they need some kind of, um, some kind of play. And, uh, I was watching a, the, one of your Ted talks, um, uh, before this, and, uh, you had mentioned that like play is wired into our, um, our biology and like that, that people need play. Uh, and, and I guess I was wondering if you could speak a little bit more to that idea and how much, um, yeah, like, like, uh, play is essential to, uh, for a lot of people, if not everyone. Yeah. So one thing with that, if, if you think about, um, a time when you were playful, uh, you probably time went by like that. You were probably super engaged, super present. Um, if there were other people around, um, you know, you were enjoying the, the, you know, the company, if there were obstacles, you welcome the obstacles. Um, it is just, you know, something that is amazing. However, as we get older, we take it for granted. We think about, oh, this is childish. This is frivolous. And the interesting thing is from zero to about nine, everything that children do is through some sort of play. Um, there was a researcher, um, her name is, uh, Karen Previs, and she was researching like how uh, patterns are formed, um, synapses in the brain. Um, and through normal repetition, you can create a synapse in about 400 to 420 repetitions. And she found that if you incorporate play, you can shortcut that to about 20. Oh, wow. 
exactly. And and it was just because of what we talked about of, yeah. um, you know, uh, it's a very sensory experience. It's very enjoyable. It's very pleasurable. Uh, and, you know, that is that is what it is. And the interesting thing is that when you take away play, uh, Dr. Stuart Brown, he talks about play deprivation. You get a lot of the situations like um, mental health situations that we were experiencing at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, uh, extreme stress. Um, you know, you start to get depressed or lonely and things like that. And because we are uh, what are called neotenous creatures in that we retain our juvenile features through adulthood. Um, you know, you look at any mammal in the wild, they essentially do what is ever necessary for survival, right? Like if you think of a, a bear in the wilderness, um, the bear is going to do whatever the bear needs to do to survive. That bear, even though it knows that play is a very vulnerable experience, where when it's playing because it's so focused on the task at hand, the play, it could be, you know, sort of compromised, it still plays. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, as adults, again, that we're focused on uh, productivity, uh, like all these other things, play just seems like something that is so far removed from that. And in fact, the way that our brains are structured, um, where play comes in, into play, I guess you can say, is in the prefrontal <laughs> cortex, uh, the front part of the brain. However, when you're stressed, you're activating the um, the lizard brain, the fight, flight, or freeze. And so they're two completely, you know, different parts of the brain. And so that's one of the reasons why, you know, at the start of this pandemic, people couldn't even think about play. However, play is the antidote. Right. Yeah. Uh, is so it's so yeah. so wild. Like uh, in my sort of researching this and understanding all these things of when I think about any time where I'm super stressed or burnt out, it's yeah, it's I probably wasn't playing because I was in that lizard brain where I couldn't see play as, you know, something that I would do and, and stuff like that. So it's really fascinating. So it's, you know, it's not like we intentionally do that. It's just that the environment created that. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and I got to point out that, like, I, I'm sure we're preaching to the choir for, for like our audience is obviously all uh, improvisers, people who have been exposed to it, probably. Uh, um, I'm sure understand improv has value beyond just like entertainment and, and, and funny. But like, yeah. I, I think that, like, for me, the longer that I'm doing it, the more I forget, like, um, th there is like a sort of like pre improv me where, where it's like, um, I don't know, you, you kind of you forget exactly what degree of value and and like where that value comes from uh that it's not just because you have like a nice hobby there's something special about the idea of uh play and the the, the way that like you could play guitar by yourself and that's also very therapeutic and um a form of play for, for you personally but there's also like the the social uh, aspect of it and there's this idea of like going through um I can't remember who, who uh i borrowed this from somebody that uh i'll have to credit if i can think of it but um uh the idea that like somebody asked why is imp why is improv so therapeutic and uh it was a very nice summary it might have actually been uh kevin dorf on a, on a podcast uh at the uh detroit, detroit improv festival but he said um well we're putting ourselves through crisis um but without like the real 
threat or repercussions um, yeah. at stake, right? So we get to experience um, getting through crisis in like a, what feels like a, a chaotic environment, but really doesn't present any threat to us at all. So like there's there's positive like constructiveness to that. And I was like, holy shit, like, mm-hmm. like that is like, yeah. Um, just something that, that I don't think about when, when I'm doing, once I'm so deep in improv and I'm surrounded by a lot of improvisers, I just kind of take those types of, um, framings for granted. Uh, and so, yeah, it's fascinating to me that especially, especially like, obviously you sound like you've done so much research and, um, the, the like psychology of it, uh, is just a nice reminder of like where that value comes from and how great that value is. Yeah. Agreed. And the interesting thing is, uh, it's like we do something and we do it like just for doing it. That's the cool thing about plays. Like the play is not necessarily about the outcome is about the experience. Right. And then we, we've get done it for such a long time. And then we like sort of reverse engineer of like, why was that so amazing? Cause I don't think again, mm-hmm. um, like when people started doing improv for like theater, stuff like that, I don't think they were like, you know what, this is going to make me the most amazing person in the world it was just like yeah. we did it and because you know you probably it sounds cliche but i feel like it's somewhat true like how you do anything is how you do everything like once you start learning the tenets of improvisation it's not like the moment you leave the stage it just turns off because it becomes more muscle memory yeah that's so and funny right? so yeah. just real quick that, that 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 is like the opposite of what you were saying about um like you have to like bait people and call, give it like corporate language to, to trick the, the corporate people into, into being like it's improv and then with uh with improv improvisers it's like it starts with just like uh this is just for fun i promise and then I'll, and then you know a couple of years in you're like wait a minute this is like in affecting my life for the better too like right. you know <laughs> yeah well, let me ask you this gary are there important elements needed in play to help that like like uh something like competition or having a, a goal or some kind of challenge to overcome or i don't know uh, that's why i'm asking you like are, are there elements that, that are necessarily or, or that are necessary to make play i don't know uh more of a growth experience well i think so yes uh the researcher um jane mcgonigal um you can look her up look her up on youtube she has an amazing a few amazing ted talks about uh play in games and and how it affects us in a positive way and she said that there is just as much research that shows the positive aspects of play of how when you're in a play-like environment it can help you be more resilient and it it can help you like sort of relationships as the research that shows that it's detrimental to our health and and our well-being and she said there was one key thing that she saw um, in the research that um, allowed people to have that growth sort of mindset and mm-hmm. it's their purpose. Like if you're using play mm-hmm. as a way to not do something and then that becomes your sort of rhythm that your routine, you will continue to use play in that in that thing. And that's like with anything. If you think about yeah. it could be eating, it could be exercise. Like some people, you know, they're like, oh, I don't want to deal with the day. So, I, you know, they just sort of get into exercise and that becomes mm-hmm. like their pattern. Like, it's just, that's just part of how, like, patterns are created. Um, but she, she found a lot of people, like, improvisers and people that play cooperative games and stuff like that. And even, like, 
competitive like sports you know they go in with like yeah like what we said this is going to be fun this is going to be enjoyable and then they start uh it starts affecting them and so that's the first thing one it's the purpose but if you think about play and why it's so amazing is that and i learned this from um her name is uh, gwen gordon she's an amazing person that uh, uh, worked on Sesame Street uh, as a as a uh, uh, Muppeteer. She made like Muppets, and then she worked for IBM. She's like super whimsical, super creative, wow. super just amazing. Um, and then she was diving into play, and she was a play mentor to me. But she was saying, um, and this is sort of widely, um, you know, research that's out there. Anyone can find this, but play for play to be. You know, pure play, it has to be in an alert, non-stressed frame. Like I said, you know, animals and humans and stuff that are stressed, you can't play. Uh, The other thing, it has to be intrinsically motivated. Like when we first got into improv, like, wow, the pure pleasure of just doing this art form. Um, And then it has to be done freely, not coerced. Um, You know, yes, there are some forms of play where you're sort of forced into it and it's not true play and maybe because you're forced in it the first time and then you see the benefit then maybe the second third time you go into it freely um and that's why when i do these workshops a lot of times um you know when i do these corporate workshops people don't necessarily want to be there it's like oh we're doing this thing so i slowly invite people to play and i even tell people i said you know Go as slow as fast as you want to, because I want to create that environment where they want to be there. Um, and then um, the other thing about play is it's structured by the rules that we invent. We have this agreement that we are playing, and this is how we're playing. Improv has structure. Um, you know, if you're doing long form in uh, improv, it has a structure. The Herald has a structure. You know, their Armando has a structure, and we all agree to that structure, and mm-hmm. that's how the play happens. You know, if you play, um, you know, any sort of board game, it has a structure. And then the the big thing, and it's funny I have to mention this, but it's fun. It's pleasurable. Like you get pleasure from, from right. doing it. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> that's the criteria for play to to take place. Um, and they found that when you're in a play like state, um you are suspending your own like life rules for the rules of the game take for example uh golf um i'm not a really good golfer uh and i've tried it a few times it's just not my jam but i'll go with some friends just you know whatever i like to drive the golf cart but nonetheless if you think about the rules of golf you have to hit a tiny ball with a stick into a hole 300 and something yards away that is not effective that is not an effective way to get that ball into the hole like (laughs) there should be other effective ways however you suspend your own beliefs for the rules of the game and as a result of that when people do that they found that if you put like ekg um machines on their heads their brain waves get in sync because we're all suspending belief for the rules of the game and that's why uh, again, uh, thinking about my very first um, improv class, some of those people that I met in that level one, we are still amazing friends today. Yeah. Because, again, we suspended all belief for the rules of improv. And like you said, uh, it, it it was like little mini crises that we all averted mm-hmm. together. <laughs> again, not knowing that. Again, it's low stakes. Yeah. And then we became closer. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. So, and so um, on that note, I, I want to talk um, about emotional intelligence too, because there's the, the bonding, anything from like, from like the bonding that you experience with like people that you play with or on a team or in classes or in, in a team building workshop um, to also just like um, playing characters, um, exercising, putting yourself in, 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 in a scenario or other people's shoes develops like empathy, right? So, and, and, and emotional intelligence was something that you um, used as a, as a term in your uh, bio on, and on your website. Um, and I just wanted to um, uh, bring that into it too, because what you're talking about of that bonding experience uh, brings up emotional intelligence. And so I'm wondering like, how does that come into play for your work and like your personal philosophy on improv? Yeah. And so again, I didn't think like when I first started taking an improv class, um, you know, I, I don't have a theater background. Um, I just heard that improv would be a cool thing that would, would help me, you know, sort of, uh, think on my feet and it, it's a lot of fun. Um, and so I took it, I took it and then I was hooked. I was, I was roped into the cult of improv like from day one. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until like months later when someone actually mentioned, man, Gary, like, something something's up like something's different about you um you know and i'm like oh i, I don't know um and it wasn't until years later where i started looking back and then realizing oh i'm playing again oh i'm doing like i'm learning these skills and i'm applying it in real life like unconsciously um that i start to realize something's up and then when i really started diving into the work i started realizing because of these games again that we join freely with our own will and we, for the rules of the game, we accept them. All right, cool. I'm going to play this character. This character is this, this, and this. And then you, you're right. You start to uh, see things from a different perspective. And then I, something unconscious happens where because you did that and you had that experience, you start to have a deeper understanding for someone else. I, again, I mm -hmm. can't think of anything else that will give you that experience because if you think about it, um, take any sort of argument that you have with someone that you really love. Mm -hmm. yeah. You sometimes go in that to win you have a point of view they have a point of view and you're like i'm gonna win i'm gonna and that's not real play that is yeah, not yeah. real play that's what, like where play stops um mm -hmm. uh, but like you're you're not like your 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 motive may have been to get a point across but when you get into that crucial conversation you go from trying to get your point across to trying to win and then you stop listening to the other person you stop seeing it from their their point of view and if someone would have said hey how about you just See, from their shoes, a lot of times because you're so stuck in your way, right. you're not going to do that. Well, in an improv game, rant, rave, you actually do that freely yeah. and welcomely. And then, like, again, we we practice this in a low-stakes environment, and you do it enough times, it becomes, like, unconscious where you, like, start to think, oh, oh, all right, cool. Yeah, may maybe they might have a point. Right. Yeah, yeah, you get better at adopting a, a, a point of view that's not your own, and and that is huge. Like that, I, I, again, it's like these these kind of like um, hidden gems of of just uh, the conditioning of improv. To um, I, I always I think about like brainstorming 
you know, because I've I've led some some corporate workshops, and the analogy that I would make is, for, for, I was I was creating a lot of short form games uh, with with our friend Pete at the time, and and I would be like, um, you know, we we would do this thing where we would get um, the, a suggestion of a celebrity or a, a fictional character at the top of a jam at the beginning of a jam, and when we go out on the sidewalk, and um, we would quickly uh, come up with um, a short form game based on that suggestion of a character or celebrity and then play it by the end of the jam. So we had very limited time to like come up with it and then execute it. And, um, you know, that sounds so frivolous, but like really what it did is it conditioned me to be a better um, exchanger of ideas because like, yeah, obviously like under that urgency, Pete and I would go on, on the sidewalk and, and I might have an idea um, or, one of us would have an idea that sucked, right? <laughs> like, yeah. but, but but instead of being like, no, let's let's think, let's let's uh, let's say no until we get the one that works. We go, okay, we we feel we we both feel that knee jerk reaction of like, I don't think that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, you you go you go, okay, well, if we had to make that work, which we might have to. Um, how could we make it work? And and just that conditioning to instead of being like, no, that's no good. What's the next one? You you go, okay, what can we get out of this? Um, and uh, and you skip the. Um, I got better at skipping that like emotional response of like, no, it's no good. You know, it actually like like more so than um, when I was doing scenes because because like that, that theater to me I like understood is like that's what you do when it's imaginary. And whatever, but but like it's that it's that kind of like halfway blend between um, something that you practically have to then go execute in front of uh, people, um, and uh, you're off stage during the the brainstorming process. So like in workshops and corporate settings, uh, th that same sort of conditioning I imagine would would also happen, where like you you have it's like a workplace um, exchange. So there's still right. like the reality of like the people you're working with. Um, and it's, it's, but, but you're not doing like a show, you know? So it's like halfway between, um, these, the, the like pure theater and, and like, uh, corporate team building world. And, uh, yeah, you just, just conditioning your mind to, um, how to treat each other's ideas is huge. Well, yeah, I, really quick also to piggyback on it. Another skill that's similar to that is how to get your idea out there in a way that other people can see what you're brainstorming. Because that that was something I learned. Uh, not Don't get frustrated that the other person can't read your mind. Yes, you initiated an idea, but they might not be able to see it. And you should be okay with that. Maybe you have to explain it in a way that they can relate to and not get frustrated so we can all understand and, and move past this. Wow! Yes, Bob. It is a two-way street. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Like we, so often we we put the the like the what to do instruction yeah. in, in terms of like the person who's who's like what like when when somebody tells you something, this is what you're supposed to do with what they tell yeah. you or or, or uh, express. Yeah. Uh, but also, there's the other side of like, well, how how can you be better about um, your expectations and your method for just expressing something on the other side of that? Like, if you're the person who's waiting for the the other person's response because of what you yeah. just said. Like, how can you get better at being in that role too? Yeah, that's huge. And so again, this all happens in improv in, um, you know, in the theater and it's a normal, like it's actually a very important skill to learn in the real world, but to go up to someone and say, you know, Bob, um, 
how you explain that makes no sense to us. A lot of times we get very personal. However, if we yeah, play yeah, yeah. in a low That's stakes, fun environment, and then we go back and debrief and we think about it, you are open to the fact like, oh yeah, you know what? You're right. Like that was kind of hard for me to articulate. Maybe there's yeah. some things in my head that I should have said out loud. And mm -hmm. then we go back and, and we, all right, what else could we do? And we brainstorm all these ideas. And then because the brain's always connecting the dots, we can say, how does this relate to things outside of this game? And that's where people start to realize, oh, you know what? That one time when I was talking to, to, to Nancy, I thought my idea was the most amazing idea. And she gave me this blank look. Maybe I should have realized X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Again, because we're in an alternate reality. And then we bring it back to our reality and people start to understand because we were playing. Yep. Yeah. 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 Wow. And you just put, you just put less personal stakes in the idea, idea that like, well, maybe my idea didn't, wasn't clear. Like it didn't, yeah. it, they were right. It made no sense and that's okay. Like, um, and there, you know, you, you don't like feel the need to dismiss your idea because the way you express it made no sense. It's just that like, like say, saying, yeah, that made no sense. Doesn't feel like an attack anymore when you kind of like diffuse and disarm um, playful ways of, of saying like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. And, and, you know, uh, like you said, it, it starts off being a very personal thing, but, uh, you can, you can learn to let it not be personal and be like, oh yeah, you're right. Let me start over, you know, and that's okay. Like it's as simple as that. Well, I think we just fixed everybody, guys. We yeah, did you're it. welcome. You're welcome. Right. <laughs> World fixed. Well, if only it was that. Oh, yeah. We should have done this in 2018. We... <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Uh, um, but so, yeah, Gary, um, uh, can, we are coming uh, toward the end of our time, but um, what uh, you got, uh, uh, excuse me, breakthrough play. Yes. <laughs> um, if, obviously, you have the website. Um, if people want to learn more about you and what you do, um, where can people find you? Yeah, you can go to the website Breakthrough Play. That's the best uh, if you're watch if you're watching this, uh, hello. Uh, <laughs> my name is Gary. Where you can I, I'm I I think I'm a friendly person. You know, you can <laughs> reach out and say hi. hi I'm on the social medias. Uh, I, I I try to limit that because uh, I, I watch the social dilemma and then I it freaked me out a little bit. Oh, so totally. I'm trying, yeah, yeah. Trying to put a little bit distance, but yeah, yeah. You can you know go to my website. Yeah. You can you can reach out wherever wherever you connect with people and yeah, yeah. uh before we we met i i did some research and i went onto your ah oh, your website's gorgeous uh <laughs> that's the life i'm living now like oh god my website sir <laughs> and then and when you at the end it, it explains how you were in digital marketing at at some point uh i yes. like oh this all makes sense because wow the, the, like the best looking website of any improviser i ever met it was oh thank you yeah yeah man great job so even if you don't want to learn about Gary, just check out his website. It's it's thing <laughs> of beauty. Yeah, yeah go there for for uh, what is it? What is it? UX? What's the term for? That's UX, right? User experience. UX, yeah, right. Yeah, User yeah, experience. Yeah. 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 Go there for the UX and stay yeah. for Gary. Yeah, and stay. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, excellent. It's really been fantastic talking to you, Gary. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us and uh, talking to, about your uh, philosophy. And I, I, you know, we've talked about like uh, we we, we want to do like one episode where we were like, uh, let's do one on, on just like improv for life um, skills. 
And, um, you know, by the end of it, we were, we were like, this this could be like a whole sub-series in, in its own right, because there is so much to unpack about um, uh, how improv can influence your life and your work and and uh, and, and everything. So um, thank you for giving us uh, this yeah. time to talk about uh, all those great things um, that we really probably could benefit from spending more time on, uh, uh, you know, more more than just like the fun and giggles of uh, of improv. Yeah. Can I leave with one thing? Because I like to like, sort want, of put yeah. a yes. put a bow on things. And yeah. I like to say like, so this card right here, like mm -hmm. you may not choose which cards in life you're dealt, but it's all about, um, it's all about, I, I have slippery hands. It's all about essentially what you do with the time that uh, you do with that. That's what it's all about. Well, so, well, mind blown. Uh, for those who are listening to the podcast who cannot see what Gary just did, he just took a playing card and converted it, or magically turned it into a watch. And <laughs> it was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> uh, well, so. yeah, thank you for, for leaving us on that. We really appreciate it, Gary. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All, all the luck in the world. And uh, for everyone else, please go to the uh, improvnetwork.org to check out these conversations and more. Thanks again, Gary. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.